Mean and Impley Productions presents L'Apropos, the Language Proficiency Podcast. Hello there. This is Paul with a special announcement. This week, we're taking a break from the D&D episodes in Helmuth to share with you the kind of content we've got over on our Patreon. This is an episode of Hulling About It, where we talk about the events of Fogleave. If you like the show, please consider checking out our Patreon to get access to exclusive content and to help us continue to create this show. Another way you can help is by giving our show a review. If you get this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if there's another way for you to give reviews, whichever app you use to listen, please give us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. We're in a furious slew of recordings, so we're going to have so much new and exciting content to share with you soon. So please make sure you're subscribed and enjoy this special peek into our Patreon's episodes of Hulling About It, where we talk about Fogleaf. Hello and welcome to Hulling About It, the show where we talk back about the events and episode previously on La Propos. I'm Paul and I'm here with Fatra Pacham, Vincent Tabani, and I with Sir the Quarry. <laughs> also known as Claire well, Apropos of Lapropos Hogan. Oh, did I do it again? I'm no, sorry. I'm teasing. Oh, I'm okay, okay, good. okay. I feel teased. Okay. And <laughs> good. No, the yeah. as of yet unknown to you all, uh, Augie Hardmantle. Human name, Chuck Savoy. Uh, he's coming, Mysterious. folks. <laughs> yes, there's a mystery guest here. Um, and uh, this is where we talk about fog. We're talking about fog leave today. The episode, third episode in our D&D arc from our first arc. There's a lot of words. I'm saying arc a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, I open it to us all to talk about it. In this episode, we experienced uh, Sir the Cory taking care of business, moving things around the island, making sure everybody does their jobs. Fouch Bottom gets set up in the kitchen, his open concept tiki kitchen, which roils with activity. Um, I really like the music I put under that. I, I don't know if you've gotten to listen to it yet, but I am mm-hmm. pretty happy with the way that all sounds. Uh, and there's a bubbling pot as well, which is a fun audio effect. Um, <laughs> you did great. I really enjoyed the soundscape. Right. I think my favorite part is... Um, did you put you put all the kitchen sounds in after someone's like add kitchen noise, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's this great moment of someone on mic being like, Oh yeah, just like throw in some kitchen noise and then there's kitchen noise. So there's all this stuff going on in Fachipachim's kitchen. Uh Sir the Cory goes up to see Quinmaris. Um, it has both like a very, uh, you know, sort of practical conversation and like a little bit of like checking in about like what is going to happen tonight at the fog leave, uh, rides the clothesline back down. Gotta say the zipline sound effects were pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was very fun. You then, Claire, you then, as Sir the Quarry, went up to the Tagantfer to alert the other folks about the event happening that night, came back down afterwards, uh, you know, said a little prayer while you were there and said a little prayer, said a little prayer, came back down. Uh, and we had the party. We had the reckoning day uh, and the fog leave, and the community said goodbye to Marley. Oh, also Marley came to visit Quinmaris and mm-hmm. talk a bit. That was the first time we, I think, we heard Marley speaking on. Not tape. to be confused with Marlis, who is someone else, correct? Marcel is someone else. <laughs> and then I say, yes, there's Marcel, there's Marley. Anyway, I have an M problem. Just yes, Marley. for the audience or the viewers at sea, uh, <laughs> we like to. I like to poke fun at Paul's penchant for M named NP. PCs. Might as well call them MPCs at this point. I was point. just about to say that. MPCs. <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> How did I put it? I, I think I said at some point, it, it appears that the dictionary of names is creased at M for me in my brain. And I don't know why. I'm, it's a good letter, you know, right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, so uh, what are our favorite moments from this episode? What are things we liked? <laughs> um, Vincent's doing his homework right now and listening to the episode in the corner. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I, I will say that um, I had kind of forgotten about it a little bit um, until you just brought it up again. But the conversation between Marley and Quinn Maris is um, just a beautiful and like tu- like very heartfelt and touching interlude. Um, Thanks. Yeah, and uh, Claire kind of had reflected that for me. It was it was my or Vincent um, like that was my first introduction to this world was listening to a very like early edit probably not even edit just like raw tape of fog leave in the car on the way to Canada um, and to hear these phrases like more than a dram and like uh, you know Sir the Quarry's speech um, really Paul and I had talked about the world beforehand but then to like hear the words. Um, and all the like richness of the island in this ceremonial rite that occurs like really made it that's where it sunk in like that's where it became really vibrant and alive for me Mm. yeah that speech so uh i was also in the car just to be clear i was also in the car on the way to canada for part of the drive to canada um to, to the, that was intra intra Canadian intra Canadian driving. <laughs> yes, Ontario's a big place, mm. and uh, so yeah, that was also my first time hearing myself give that speech, which was absolutely probably probably like my highlight of that retreat arc was uh, was sort of feeling like I was at the fog leaf, like. As so, Roan situates herself uh, <laughs> dramatically on the outskirts of the fire. It right? was so cool. <laughs> and then eavesdrops um, with her rabbit ears. And uh, I really, I was sitting there taking notes in preparation for that speech of the beats that I wanted to hit based on that's I wanted to ask you about that if that was just like completely off the cuff or if you had like an outline for it because it's such it fits so well in there and it it feels effortlessly or it feels effortless in in a way that i was like i wonder if there was craft to it like i so it's it's cool to hear that you're like oh yeah no like i had like bullet points that i'm like i wanted i want to get to this and that i really wanted to play an evolution of what i'd set up for her in uh in dialect you have to be your you get your archetype card and you have this relationship to the aspects and she had to feel undermined by uh one of them and i chose the fog so i wanted to play her relationship growing like how to come to a place of acceptance with an element she feels undermined by and with a community choice that is so established it has its own slang um and yeah, so I wanted to play that, and then I think a thing that like is uh, stood out for me in listening back to it was this one line about committing to the trip, and that comes straight from like working on the train, and that's like a thing in our actual like yeah y- like our workplace agreement is that we commit to the length of the trip, and it, it takes spits how long it takes. Spits a sit. So, uh, but yes, Spoilers. I definitely definitely had to outline there were there was an outline and what i don't remember doing is laughing the whole way through it (laughs) i was like in my head i delivered that so seriously but in actuality i think something about the intensity of the character and the goofiness of my own personality just meant that i delivered this very serious thing while trying not to giggle the whole while and i i'm glad it still reads (laughs) with the intention that was meant that's but that's a thing i've i've noticed about how you play sir the quarry is there's a, a lot of um 
laughing in the way you deliver lines and not not in a way that's like this is a joke ha 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 but in that kind of like i am saying something that i'm not necessarily comfortable with or sure of but it but i am aware it needs to be expressed and this is just the like <laughs> like but but not in that like what i just did sounded more non-committal than it comes across from roan a lot it's it like makes that character very rich to me in that like in the in like you said specifically in the speech where you're like this is a very serious thing but but you are laughing not in the like this is funny and not quite in the like i'm gonna laugh or i'm gonna cry but in the like i have this like energy welling up that needs to go somewhere and like this is just how it's squeaking out so i can deliver this thing that needs to be heard it re- like thank you for that reflection it really it really and that that tension in that character wouldn't be built in if it wasn't for dialect like i don't know that i would have I, I don't see that i could have invented all of the intersections of character growth and stuff without this game prompting this stuff it also cre- it also points out the uh, the level at which the game takes place because we're not trying to make a perfect radio show of this. Uh, we're not professional voice actors who are doing this in their off time. Uh, Paul is a professional editor though. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I think the, uh, the way that the story is experienced is sort of, just above us as players like we still exist as people experiencing our own story and i i think i think that makes the story more real like i I think it's really the i love i love watching theater that is not trying to trick you into thinking that what you're seeing is real is asking you to imagine something inspired by what you're seeing and then it becomes more real because it lives in the imagination all those things can actually take place as opposed to trying to to deceive the audience into into um see into into thinking that what they're seeing is real and for us to to be telling the story and like going back on decisions or making clear like oh maybe it's this way oh maybe actually it's this way because it exists in our imagination and it's only suggested by what we're playing it makes it allows that to be to be more real in some way because we're we have to like we don't know exactly what is on the island we sort of have to imagine imagine it all it's just hinted at so so I, I feel like the same thing is like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, we, our, our accents are always getting miss, are always going different ways or <laughs> everything's like, eh, maybe this, but it's like, you get that, you get the point, right? Everyone like, <laughs> be like it's, we're pointing this way, like, let it, let it be. Um, but I, but I do think that the, that the, one of those, the things that work really well is, is yeah, when we're, when we're in it, we're, we really feel it because it feels like it's a little bit outside of us. We're like peeking into it ourselves as well. And you really dove in in that moment to like to embody what 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 we were sort of collectively imagining you saw the moment of roan like oh this is a really moment this is a big tension a captain who thinks that she has to protect her people from the the island and there's some undercurrent of need for this ritual of going into it and i am going to live in that moment of tension and see what comes out and i 
and you did it really well. Thank you. It was really delightful to do. And this, I, my brain is picking up. This is maybe not riffing in the direction, but I just want to let the viewers at sea know that when, you know, when Vincent says that we're not professional voice actors doing a thing, that's true. And also, I met these guys doing improv in the park. So (laughs) make clear that like to me, uh, this is like this getting to play D and D with these friends was like getting invited into like like people who I'd met as improvisers in like a public performance capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is like a level of improv that I feel like is really emergent and really exciting Mm -hmm. for me, and not something I've gotten to play with a whole lot. And D and D is such a cool vehicle for that. I, I also want to say one last thing about your speech before I forget it. Um, <clears throat> listening to your speech in the car on the way up and hearing you kind of like take all these world words and and blend them into like a coherent thing really uh, set the bar for me going into this second arc. So when we have that scene with Augie and um, I'm blanking on, on her name, but his contact... Um, uh, it, it's also the audience hasn't experienced it either. Right, so. right. They don't. They don't know <laughs> what you're. What I'm about. talking about yet. But there's this scene coming up in the second arc between Augie and one of his old smuggling contacts, where I am like, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to look at the words we have and I'm going to see how many of them I can organically fit into this conversation. Yeah. And I would not have like felt like pushed to do that or like that it was the thing to do without having listened to your speech as this kind of world introduction to then be like, great. Like how, how can I play at the same level as these guys and, and like really dig into this world in the same way. The audience is in for a treat. Like Chuck really nails, like, like, like Chuck, the way that you set that bar for yourself, like conversely also reminded me consistently through the second arc in which I think like I kept, I kept reverting to our first age words and like your investment in the second age world words kept pulling me into the present world that we had created at that time. One really interesting thing about using these words that we've created in this world and the the the, the manner of their creation is that they inherently talk about what's important to our characters. And so the simple exercise of trying to include as many as possible makes what we're talking about uh, inherently a uh, native to our world like it it is about the problems that we experience it is about the values that we share it is about the the differences that bring tension because that's what those words are about and it really i I notice it in trying to make songs and poems from facho patchum where they exercise just on a on a uh, on a sort of puzzle level is how many words can i can i fit into the can i replace in the sea shanty with with helmithian words uh and then in doing so it innately becomes about like the the sort of struggles that our characters experience the the feelings of of abandonment or or community in the the way that i feel um we've we've made for our community and it's super interesting that really makes me think reflect too in like real world scenarios like how the words that we choose to use create the world we live in like on a, in a very real way um so it's it's uh it, yeah it's really special to uh as a as a tool of immersion in fantasy yeah i was 
I was so proud of that moment. I, I, we all sat out on a on the porch having dinner, and I, I played it for my mom, <laughs> which like, and like a the porch overlooking the lake. I don't know. That was another dramatic. That was yeah. So that in the second arc, where shout out to Mrs. Claire's mom too for being one of our. <laughs> best and biggest patrons she's really supported us or she hosted the second arc yeah it was great yeah the the other thing i wanted to ask you while we're on the subject of sir the quarry and that moment is that you several times reflect that you don't normally play characters who are in charge right like the the ruler card is what prompted you to go in this direction right and i i feel like that's something a lot of people struggle with is like how to play something very different than them whether that is you know like if they're playing a really high charisma character and they're like but i'm shy or in this case like a leader and you're like but i i'm not a leader uh what 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 sort of things do you find that you do as you role play to find to to do that to to do the things that are not as you professed not similar to yourself yeah i guess just for the viewers at sea i'm just thinking back to one of like my first community plays where i got cast as bottom in a midsummer night's dream and that's kind of been like my favorite archetype of thing to play forevermore um goofy uh goofy inevitable uh, yeah goofy background support roles is like my happy place um so uh so I don't know. Ex- I think making her a rabbit really helps me play because I just the juxtaposition of like there is a rabbit that I picture a lot like rabbit from Winnie the Pooh. But I know I know we've been over this. She's a lot more humanoid than that. But like archetypally, that's <laughs> like how I. <laughs> what? She's a lot more pantalooned too. <laughs> yes, a lot more pantalooned. And how how beardooned? <laughs> a nude animal is a rude animal. <laughs> Oh yeah, (laughs) but yeah, I think making her be a rabbit allows me that level of like absurdity Mm. that really helps me. Like uh, the uh, when we were uh, Vincent and I went on a walk. So um, right when we were we took a pause during this arc after we got our archetype cards, and we took a twenty minute break and we went down to a little like a little big ravine, and I remember musing about what direction. I would go and the other potential one was going to be like a, a, a dwarf <laughs> right which is i think what dropped in the like scottish I- influenced yeah. accent um but it was going to be just like a really serious stout like dwarven commander like with maybe some you know i don't know i guess like channeling some viking kind of vibes um and then it and then that just felt too heavy to me uh to have um uh and it could have been goofy too i mean like i mean like it's pure gim- you know pure gimli pure gimli yeah. yeah but uh but i think taking whatever i was playing with with that sort of like what feels like a serious leader and then how can it also have the level of absurdity that i visually like i mean it's a visual <laughs> absurdity i yeah. think uh that i find really entertaining and i think there's something about like something about flawed leaders or something about i mean i was gonna say human the human quality the hair the heron quality but the harangan qualities humanoid the humanoid (laughs) humanoid qualities humanoid imperfection yeah so Mm. something about that and just any uh, and allowing my allowing my um 
maybe that inner critic brain aspect that's like you don't know how to do this or um this is new and therefore a threat Mm. um to just attach itself to the distraction of being a rabbit i think one thing i was reflecting on was that the quality of your rulership was something that we didn't get into right away that there was there there wasn't a strong understanding of why we had to have a ruler on this island uh and we fell into the trope of of like running like a ship problem solved we're not going to ask necessarily how you got to be voted or whatever decided in uh uh, that they're like uh, listening back like yeah that you were just giving orders and people like all right cool we'll do it um i think i think i i was sort of okay with it too because i was playing a character who sort of was almost needed the the structure of authority to like have his fun um and also i knew that he wouldn't ever have to like fall like he would always have a way of like disobeying without breaking the laws or anything like that like he'd he'd get away with it but it did occur to me and like in listening more general like what like what exactly the community the structure of the community is uh because because you were you were so you were like interested in like what does it mean to be for me to play a character who's giving orders that we weren't really thinking about like what does it mean for the community to be receiving orders um and like what is what are the qual like which I think makes is a really interesting distinction between a ruler and a leader too. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, which I think also this episode really, really allows to to do well. Yeah, that's right. R- distinction of ruler and leader. Little uh, little tease little tr- for the treat. for the archetype treat, yeah. that we as introduced next arc. <laughs> little treat of Chuck coming <laughs> down the road. <laughs> Chuck is a treat. Uh, mm-hmm. A whole Stop snack. It. Uh, and oh, we old beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, chef feet. All right, so we are uh, we were introduced to the to the way in which in which Roan recognized she has to negotiate that difference in order to actually have an ethical connection beyond just a hierarchical one with I, her her people. Yeah, and I I immediately really enjoyed the kind of foil that presented itself with like. <laughs> Uh, imagining giving orders to the warlock chef. Oops, was I not? Was that a, was that a spoiler? No, it's known. Yeah, I think it's known at this point. It, one of the first things he ever says is he has a pact with an abyssal. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Are our character sheets not just published on the? This Patreon is the second time you've paywall? asked me that in a hauling about it, and I just have to put them up. Okay. <laughs> also, anyone who's listening to this clearly deserves spoilers. They are true. They are the pe- they are think, like in our corner. Right. I don't think they're spoilers. We if love like you. Paying for them, right? Like. Right. That, they're, they're they're paying for the spoils. Knows yeah. What's going? on. That's right. They're this buying is, access to this information. That's right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you deserve it. Get in the comments. Here's another. Here's Here's another secret we, the, we wouldn't even know until the third arc. Ready for this? Not only is Fatio a warlock, he also calls his patron the Big Wiggle. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's right. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. I'm so glad that that makes it into the earth uh, as a... Uh, maybe you say it earlier, but I, I know for sure it's yeah, in the third it's arc. It's completely like buried in other stuff, but it's Hashtag total headcanon. I, d- I make a uh, Hashtag the big wiggle. Yeah, I make it. Roan eventually demands the assistance of yeah. the big wiggle. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, but that, yeah, yeah, it's super interesting about how, actually, uh, this is a good lead into the ne- other thing I want to talk about in about this arc too, is we're still figuring out how we are creating 
um, the the scenarios, the encounters, the word building. Um, by the third arc, we're doing a much more. There's much more fluidity in choosing. Like, hey, we need a role playing moment versus, hey, let's build an encounter together. And um, and I think there's there's a little bit of directionless sometimes directionlessness sometimes in our scenarios to illustrate a word because at this point we're basically just trying to have conversations to talk about the word, which sometimes means it's not clear when we've talked enough about that word. Uh, and I think one example that w- something was introduced to sort of w- build out the world, but wasn't clear what was uh, like, you know, it was just sort of a, a conversation that might happen in real life was about the benches. And there wasn't a clear like payoff necessarily. We were just like, oh, here are these benches that we need to have something that are or, is ordered for this thing. It's not mm-hmm. clear what it's for, but it ended up actually being tied in really nicely because it becomes a, a, a sign of Roan needing to order something, people following it, and Facho being like, okay, we didn't need this, but it was like, you know, made everyone happy to have something to work on. Sure, here we go. Like it was, it ended up becoming a really interesting illustration of of the group because it's something we introduced, even though we sort of introduced it without, without purpose, which was really cool, which was part of how we were running the first the first arc can i ask was the benches in response to like a specific like word that came up or i feel like this is the second time you guys have mentioned like the benches came up to like explore this thing and i to me even having listened to fog leave it is unclear to me like what (laughs) what exactly the benches are tied to other than just like there is a party and people need a place to sit i think there's an edited out thing where we riff wildly about self-replicating benches no that's in there that's in there yeah 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 yeah, you go to get benches because we needed even though lefty says the other folks have plenty of benches (laughs) then you go to quinn maris to order benches and quinn maris is like well i'll just send two down and they'll just keep replicating and it's just such a comical idea okay so a thing i wanted to acknowledge with the the element of roan playing a ruler again not a leader a ruler um is just like the gift of the other players playing along with that yeah yeah because without playing along with that like it you couldn't have you would have an entirely other story of resisting authority of like my character uh you know like and and that's an interesting story too but it's a different one than the kind of harmonious sort of situation that like you're dropped into the like you're dropped into Mm -hmm. how uh, a functioning helmet instead of a uh a narrative about sort of an overzealous ruler exerting will and i just want to acknowledge that that's not possible without the other like without vincent and lauren being really on board to entertain my proposals for things like probably i like i don't know if i started the bench thing or (laughs) but like obviously i was like i gotta go prep there needs what what does a fog leaf need like somewhere to sit around a fire like that's probably what happened there Yeah, exactly yeah and that i think is is a really good illustration of of my mindset too which is like i it is it is important that both like in in world that like we obey like the explicit orders but also like claire's making these choices as as a as a leader as a captain i can like find a way that i might express a different part of that world like you know we're relating to the aspects in different ways but it's super important that like i go along with with what's suggested in order to like support her like the her vision for her character and that's like that's the fundamental 
uh, glue of of the project. <laughs> yeah, and it really um, we have to trust to see where it goes. Like without knowing right away. Yeah, and like uh, we haven't got there yet, but uh, but yeah, but then uh, 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 Facho Patchum's alternate very opposing relationship to an aspect is like a huge part of where this arc is going mm. um <laughs> spoilers but not spoiled we are not letting yeah yeah no, no need to run away yet well what lurks in the deep we won't reveal yet anyway what yep well yep. It, yeah it's also it's also interesting to that there is that there is some background which the audience already knows that we were thinking about right yeah um, which I think at this point in the, playing the game, I forgot. Like I, it felt real enough to me that I also Paul was starting to like sort of create, uh, like create things where we're like, okay, we don't know like what, who sent this shoreline scrapper metal lobster thing. We don't, like, we didn't, we didn't, we don't know really what's waiting for us in the fog exactly, and so it. We had, I sort of let go of that mm. entirely, um, and it's uh, so it's interesting to sort of be like waiting for like that discovery. Wait, there's something in the fog. <laughs> Death. <gasps> Do you not know? Next. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to the first arc yet. I've what is it, what's going on? I'm so I'm so lost. Well, you certainly haven't heard the final version of it because it's gone through a lot of tweaks. That's but, true. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's an interesting handoff because on one hand the world is really real without me as the DM having to do like, I don't have to like sit around and be like, I'm going to make 15 NPCs who all have bonds and flaws and things to make this village of Helmuth real. Like you all are fully bought in on it. We've mentioned, we mentioned Marley, I think in the dialect. So like there is somebody who's doing their fog leave or was thinking about doing their fog leave. That's another thing. That's a fun joke that comes up in this episode, but I just got to sort of respond to stuff that you were all looking at and the world felt rich and real around you. Um, whether or not you were uh, actively thinking about the things that we had discussed in dialect to create it, all of it is so still very present, both in terms of like, I mean, just to, to reflect back, like, oh, when the crabs are coming up, we've got food, right? Like, I didn't have to be like, you know, those might be good food. You're all just like, oh, food, like we're getting food, like let's deal with it, right? And uh, the scrapper comes up and I think there's something so lovely about the way that everyone's like, well, we, it's it's just kedge awesome like which i think makes sense for a group of sort of shipwrecked people not to be like hmm what's the mystery of this of this thing right you responded to it so in so in your roles in the world um that i didn't even have to like push or encourage i i just i remember during this episode in particular being like wow this really works because i they're doing a lot of the work that i otherwise as the dm would have to be like describing things a lot and having npcs come up to like pitch and different thoughts to try to make the world real and rich and it was just it was just vivid for everybody the whole time through which is cool we've got to talk about facho pitch facho patchum facho pitchum yeah facho pitchum we got to talk about facho patchum it is kitchen we have to it's such a great uh, the two moments that we see you in the kitchen are incredible you describe like yourself at the center of like a maelstrom of activity like what and i i also think it's a moment that becomes really clear your thought about the bard and how you wanted the chef feet to work yeah that's right um you're like a ratatouille with tentacles <laughs> yeah that's right that's right um i yeah i i i really enjoyed the the thought of real life inspired cook, ships cooks who are really 
big big ups if you if you're out there and you're a ship's cook like unreal i the amount of work you're doing whether you realize it or not is phenomenal <clears throat> unless you're nick this one particular cook i'm thinking of in which case <laughs> nick get out of here we should no. get a different different job i want to hijack this and throw a shout out to the train chefs as well uh, stellar incredible i mean but like that's the thing anyone who cooks anywhere knows this like <laughs> like it's it's a it's a trope in a lot of cultures if you're sad you must be hungry like if mm. like that is that like what and paul what's the what's yeah. the greeting in china instead of like oh what's yeah up? They, it's they, like they say uh, yeah instead of what's up they sort of say have you eaten yet and there's responses about like yes i have and it's not actually about if you've eaten but yeah yeah it's a, a metaphor for how your well-being and yeah and to ratatouille too i find that the opening scene uh where remy describes why he fell in love with food i think is an incredible view about art too where he takes a strawberry that's animated one way and a piece of cheese that's animated with a different type of sound design and he puts them together and he creates something new from two things that already exist and I think that is an incredible view of what the creative process looks like for mortals we can't create something from nothing but we can create something new from two already existing things and I think that understanding of the bard uh, as someone who is who is doing that but also like very consciously using like illusion magic to to sort of create that experience there's just something really uh really really lovely about that um because uh also because in communities food can be so much at the center of what keeps the morale up what keeps the what keeps the clock ticking the what helps uh what helps Mm. give people like like just sort of the emotional ability to keep going like just that, that community and how interesting it is for someone who like understands that but also is like sort of like it's it's there's nothing there at all i think it for me it really it really helped like explore this question of like what is at the center of a community does it have to be something real or can it just sort of be this like collective mm. fiction that keeps everyone going is that enough yeah. I definitely feel like it's like every every party ends up happening in the kitchen and the Fatchapachim's mess hall sort of kitchen place is such a vivid, visited and occupied and lived in um, imaginative um, lo- locale, like location, like an imagination location that we v- revisit, I think, practically in every arc. And it's uh, it's to me, it's more it's more vivid than the helm. Mm, yeah, mm. I. Oh, I wanted to speak to your point about um, that. Thatcher Patchum is using a lot of illusion magic to make his cooking just palatable. Whole, whole stop. I was going to say palatable, but like really, <laughs> really like what it is, and and yeah, this like deep like I I think that's true in a real sense too of like the number of meals I've had both on boats and off where it's like what is this and it's like well don't like don't look at it just eat it like it doesn't matter if it looks good if it tastes good and it's filling and it's hearty and mm-hmm. and that like Fatjo Patchum is like full aware of this and and isn't like a oh yeah well you know like I'm just kind of like using some magic to to spruce it up but he's like full pendulum swing lent like leaning into like yeah don't look at it don't ask questions just put it in your mouth is it tasty great like does it do what you need it to do awesome is is to me like a really like you're saying like a really interesting exploration of like what is 
that thing that holds communities together and does it does it need to be physically real as long as we believe it's real yeah and i think i think there's a there's there's something sort of fun about having a lot of people be in on the joke uh like that in the sense of of there are um there are people who believe enough in what facho is doing that they recognize that like we are chopping up like rotten fish and like lighten lichen that we've scraped off the rocks and sometimes it's just sand but that's you know it's it it works there's like we're we're we we are in on the this like fantasy and i think one of the questions that i really was really was sort of throughout the whole campaign was running on was is that sustainable? Is that sustainable for Facho? Yeah. Uh, um, because he has, he has fun with himself. I certainly had fun playing with him. It's a lot of, it's a great joke, but like does is like, when, when do you give up? And you sort of see it with Facho where he's like, he's like sort of constantly joking that he might just like give up and walk in. And like, that's, yeah. you don't want someone at the center of your community who's like willing to throw in the towel at any given moment. Um, yeah. A I, I thing I thought of, which isn't necessarily the, that it's not going to explore that direction, but I just had a vivid uh, flash of the the kitchen in Hook, the Lost Boys kitchen on Neverland in yes. Hook, where there's just you know Peter Banning is You're there. You're doing just, it, Peter. Exactly. There's just empty trays coming out, and he you know bowls of nothing, but he can smell the food. And then it's not until a kid like hits him with a spoonful of whatever in the face that he's like, oh, it is real you know mm, yeah i also just before the moment's fully gone i want to say strong contender for facha pacha merch is a shirt that is like in the like keep calm and carry on but like don't look at it don't think about it just put it in your C- mouth cupcake yeah. with a fish eye that oh, like yeah. everything yeah. we're talking about for me is around yeah. is so well the demonstrated fish eye. in that moment mm. where like you let the audience in on the game that you're playing or the the magic joke right because you you have this you like wave your hand and it turns into like a blueberry or something yeah uh yeah and it's it's fun i i would love to to also put it get to put together some type of recipe book like, a, like some <laughs> some cooking uh that that touches uh, you know that plays with that idea which would be interesting because we'd be using real world food like a, I, I, I oh I'm that a, was my question i was like do you want to put together a recipe book that's like sand rotten fish <laughs> or do you want to put together like an edible yeah, but clearly yeah, you want it to be sort like of like, like irl peel like the grape and it's an eyeball yeah okay yeah, that sort of stuff gotcha gotcha yeah. i uh, think you i think there's a really juicy potential to do oh, a yeah. savory cupcake with an actual like fish egg on it. Yeah, or actual fish eye. Those are edible. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, kale and lichen. That's a pretty good swap out too, I think. Uh, so. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I see that. I think, I think, uh, I think I also in this moment want to clarify there, there are like magical reasons why the characters cannot essentially sustain themselves in the way that like coastal communities actually thrive off of like, Uh right? Like we're not in, it's, it's, I mean, otherwise it's just that they didn't really learn how to harmoniously live in their ecosystem and like learn to fish with like spears and stuff. I described the rock and the area around it as very barren several. It's not a normal like, oh, you know, there's lots of fish and lots of. You just need one one person who can cast good buried. (laughs) Yeah, it is also a uh, I think it is a uniquely sort of colonial perspective, too, of like arriving in a place and be like, 
like where's all the bread where's and, the corn yeah i can't like, plant or potatoes like, yeah exactly exactly and and uh and i i Hmm. So I, that that just that just strikes me as like being the case like it's very much part of like like the european american mm-hmm. settler perspective of of what it means like gather food in a new place it for sure is because i'm thinking like about things that i don't know like i'm thinking about like coastal communities in in ireland that like certainly would probably like I, there's probably delicious ways to prepare there's for sure delicious ways to prepare the things that we played with and i just mm. have no idea what they are and yeah. uh and and yes that experience of we are shipwrecked and uh and we did play with a whole and i think i i think i bring it up for a second in that in that episode where i'm like wait where is what we come from is there a king and i'm suddenly like and then paul essentially is like uh, like i'm trying to figure out if democracy has been invented briefly and then paul's like no no there could be communities that have elders and i was i was like okay so yes there's some quakers in some places but but (laughs) (laughs) in retrospect i should have been like I don't know. What do we think about where we're from? Because right. like I did all the, we've done is make this island. Yeah, I just did the classic D and D DM fill in a blank. I think that also touches on a really interesting aspect of story world building, mm. where it's the question is how much do we need to know in order to tell the story we're trying to tell? Right. Uh, and it, it's like like that that our character choices aren't necessarily. Or what, like what our characters are know know or are challenged by, is not necessarily also like what the claims that we're making about like th- that story world in general or our world in general. It's just like the things that that create interesting challenge for that character to, to then grow through. Um, we can't take into account like every aspect um, of of like what it means to be a human. Um, we're just looking at like a couple interesting. Uh, character choices and then finding ways to illustrate and challenge them Mm. and and the world just has to be rich enough in order to tell that story of of like i mean in this case what do what do characters do when confronted with a constant pressure of scarcity and an easy way to like to disappear that's Mm. and so you don't like you don't need all that much like the the question of of rulership is mostly just to say this is one way in which like that that difficulty is mm. is um is felt in the world. It's not like what is the best way to politically govern a group of of misfits <laughs> on a night. Like that's not the question, <laughs> right? It, it, well, I think it's also an interesting world building dilemma in the sense that like I think really what your question was is like. How would my character be understanding in the world what they're doing? Yeah, I right? just really wanted a yeah. very quick frame of reference to carry on a sentence Ex- I was Exactly, making. right? And that's one of the interesting problems of world building that like I'll run into as I start to like plan something that we're going to do in our home game and I'm all of a sudden like Right. So if this town is near a forest and there's a logging and and then I'm like, yeah, I'm 10 pages deep and I'm like, I don't know that they're ever going to ask about this or why it's important, but I needed it to know. Oh, right. Because this one person is connected to this mill okay great and it's it's a there's a really deep trap to fall into of like well what is the whole world and what does it think about it um and it's interesting to try to find like what's the nugget of like so that you can respond so that Mm -hmm. the player in that moment could be like okay 
I know I'm doing a difficult thing or I'm perceiving myself as the elder of this place or whatever or am i understanding myself as its democratic leader like what do i get what do i understand about that so i can react to that appropriately i think is the like that's where the like just enough having just enough prep that you could know that uh-huh. is the sweet spot and if i had been like well there are six democracies and there are seven empires it wouldn't have been useful either right anyway there's a really interesting connection to the word touch in this and Yet the question is, what does it take to to be able to touch the world yeah. uh, in terms of story? I find there's this, I, I have this pet peeve of people saying that like, well, you can't actually touch anything because atoms are Electrons. mostly space. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all space it, between everything. And it's like, that's true. But what we mean by the word touch is that experience of those electrons and the energy that bonds them resisting our energy field and uh, and the molecules and cells that make up us make up what we consider our own bodies, and that is what we mean by the word touch. So, knowing that there's space between things doesn't also invalidate the concept mm. of how we use the word touch. It's just if we try to bring our sense of the word touch (no pun intended) <laughs> down to that level in which it's not really meant to be used, it no longer makes sense. Mm. So, it, it's just an interesting thing too of understanding what. Uh, of what what sort of language we need to build in a meta sense uh, in order to make the world perceivable. Mm. And so, like to say, there are other sorts of governments that they are. They tend to be, you know, we know we eventually know there's this uh, like Atlantarian empire that we end up building, and we don't really get too much into other ones. That's uh, apparently there's a war in and a certain system that you feel really connected to in some way. Um, and there's pirate factions. Exactly. And we're like, that's sort of enough. Like yeah. we can sort of make stuff up in the world, but we don't need to press into it on that, the framework to feel the touch of it. It's enough to go on. And I, I, I find that's a really interesting um, concept of like how, of how language works, like what that we, it, it falls apart if we try to get too minute in mm. between, but sometimes it's necessary and therefore we need to make new language yeah. in order to do that. It's just like an interesting uh, connection. I agree. My brain uh, is looking at the time check of te- of the 10 more minutes, and I'm thinking about a thing that we wanted to uh, note, which is just like to commend Paul on his like sound design oh, of the episode and how rich that like all the, I mean, I almost don't know what to point out specifically because oh, it was I, so flawless. My favorite still is in <laughs> Fetcher Patchum's kitchen where someone's just like, oh yeah, just like put in some kitchen noises. Then Paul's just like, boop. And then there's immediately, there's like a bubbling pot. There's like rustling people. There's like vegetable chopping going on. And someone's just like, oh yeah, we'll just put in some kitchen noise. And then Paul's like, yep. Click. Paul, what was that like going through and, uh, mm. and, and editing it and creating in order to create a world well it's a it's a really interesting balance because you of course don't want to overwhelm what anyone is actually doing right like the 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 um your your attention as an editor goes so entirely to the things that you're putting in underneath that you can get more interested in your soundscape than you are in what's actually happening and so like there's these multiple levels of awareness to keep um and it's a ton of searching for cues 
finding wrong ones for a long time until you find the one you're like this is close enough this is i can work with this right like i think that kitchen has like four different things under it in terms of like things that were added um which was a wild moment and then i found like a perfect steampunk sound thing for behind <laughs> quinn maris's workshop like i it's just like this is a steampunk workshop thing i'm like good enough cool it'll work um and then there's moments where it's just one thing it's just like the sound of the zip line right and it's <laughs> like trying to figure out what's the or how many waves do i need to have at any one minute mm-hmm. to make this place real um and then the one that took the longest was definitely the the like soundscape underneath all of fog leave because it's like okay we need the crowd we need the fire we need uh, this we okay now we need the crowd to get quiet and now we need this to happen right yeah. to all sort of like blend together into like an experience i've definitely felt a lot like fatra patrum sort of like making up an illusion <laughs> of a place. oh that spooky moment where oh yes some spooky was, music in this one really and what i really wish i'd done for the so this didn't occur to me when we were doing it but when roan goes down the zip line and i just go like ah! i wish i'd had thought and done the like ah! <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> i wish i had played with distance yeah, 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 yeah. but whatever it's fine uh yeah there's, so th- much. there's a really there is a fun play with distance there because i think lauren leans way back and says Come back next time. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, we still just, get it. We still yeah, get the. That like you're moving away. Um, yeah, the camera's following you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. So, sort of wrap all this up. That's another really interesting thing that your position on the island did this episode, which is that the camera followed you going around and like sort of coming in and out of different spaces on the island, right? Like sort of like oh, and here's what Quimaris is doing, and then here's Fatrapacham, and then here's the Tiganfer, and then we're back to here. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was a really interesting way that the episode gets framed and. It like really makes it all feel like one connected event. Um, and we just all like really supported you seeing you go around and do things because it was like you had a lot to prepare, but you also had a lot to prepare. And Quimera's had a lot to prepare. But it's like all linked together by That's what really Sir the Quarry is for, seeing. For the viewers at sea, I'll just share that I started when I started playing D&D, like I, my dad ran games for me and my siblings at the cottage every summer. And then when I became a teenager, I ran games for my friends in high school and I was a dungeon master for the first five or six years of gaming. And so I think that like the little, the little inner dungeon master in me was like, Oh, look at the world. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to wander around. <laughs> show this, show, check this out. Check this out. Yeah. Um, and also, but I mean, it's also very reflective of the fact that we all built the world together. So the sense of ownership around where we can go, what we can play with is like, more vivid than I've maybe ever experienced in as a player in a world. So I, I just had a realization though in in framing it that like the camera follows Roan through this whole thing is it it kind of makes it an audio one shot of just like Ooh. if this episode Ooh. were visual it'd just be one like tracking shot of Roan going through all the different parts of the island and bits and pieces and. HBO, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> any any student out there in film school who would like to use this for, you know, um, a screenplay to adapt, get in the comments. Happy to chat. Come join us as an intern. We've got yep. we've got a couple archival tasks for you. We definitely have room for an intern. Um, I can promise you three <laughs> college lighting. credits. Uh, it's sixty hours of work per credit. That's the standard. When I was in, I don't know if that's still the case, but hey, you know how it goes. It's exploitative. We're not doing it. Okay. Um, last uh, last minute roses and thorns. Or not? Sorry, not roses and thorns. What do we want to call it? Wait. Winds and winds and gusts. I don't. What, what what's the uh, storms and storms Bo- and boons and banes. Boons and banes. Boons and banes. Everybody. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. So I do what I can. Uh, last last things. Blessings and banes. Huh. 
to blessing Bane. Blesses and Banes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, blessings and Banes. Boons, boons, boons. Boons, you prefer boons. It's okay. a, it does fit the sound, the pattern better. Boons, uh, Banes. Boons. I love the, I mean, I, we call it out in the moment, so it is rewarded, but it's still really great where um, Quinmaris goes like, I'm going to grab this bottle of whiskey I've been hiding and like more than a dram to you, Marley, and they drink. It's just like such a cool, like mm, yeah. really cool tie-in. Um, the benches are just hilarious. Just the, I, I really wish I'd stopped to be like, everyone roll initiative and fight multiplying benches. No, you don't. <laughs> I know Do I don't. you? But it's just, it was so, it was like, oh, that's so fun. Um, so, so that's some extra content we can make for like an alternative <laughs> timeline where the benches um yes yes the moment when marley's like well i wasn't sure i was gonna go but they're they're having my fog leave so (laughs) that was a great moment i wouldn't want to disappoint them now oh devastating for (laughs) well but also to me was very clearly like a part of his attitude about it. he was like i think i should go i don't know why i'm not going yet Mm. oh they're they're having the okay yeah, that's good enough. That's, you know, it's like, it just clarified something about his level of what he felt about it, right? Which was, I, yeah, I liked that exactly. choice and I liked how we all played with that. Let's see, anything else? Uh, oh, I I guess it's a bit of a, this is a bit of a bane. I cut out where we figured out our hill, 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 to, 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 and our, uh, the chant that we say. Um, either because it was too off mic or it was kind of messy how we figured it out. There was a lot of writing that was happening to make it all happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that wasn't very clear in the audio. And I wish it was because it's a very dialect moment as we work that all out. It's true. It was also something that doesn't exist in the, uh, in the, like that was just a phrase that we recognized. Oh, the scene calls for this in the world. And there was no dialect card that said cheers or, uh, or toast or and yeah. so but we're like it we we would have something like this let's make it um i i sort of reached into a german cheer that already existed yes. yeah and adapted that to to say what is enjoyable about about shouting this in a beer hall hmm. uh and the other one i think is similar sort of like what are powerful words that are meaningful to us how do we um just sort of the thought of of how 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 rhythms and like slant rhymes help things feel coherent and meaningful yeah. the 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 play of prepositions was uh was was part of it too and so we we tweaked we t- we were tweaking the phrase in a way that honestly i don't know if it would have been that interesting to go through because a lot of it was internal or just like mm-hmm. repetitive of trying out different or things like, until or, it came, came yeah, to like be a, feel really satisfying yeah i feel like the 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 call and response i feel like the the little background you know my little catholic upbringing just like gets really tingly when someone says something and then a group of people say another thing i'm like ooh, <gasps> mystical um but yeah i do remember i remember the i mean it must have took like half an hour to come it's up with that kind of a long time <laughs> it was like yeah of like the the rhyming and the elements that we would sort of have reflected in it yeah are you talking about the the like chant or the like Both. bit after off of the rocks into yeah. the Oh, I've forgotten it now. Off of the rocks, it, into this. I think it was off of the map, onto the rocks, out of the sea, into the, into mist. the mist. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Well, get in the comments, folks. Tell us about other blessings and banes, uh, things you liked. Uh, there's lots of exciting stuff to come. And uh, well, I guess we'll just end with a quick little... Uh, Hilla holla, hilla holla. Hilla holla, hilla holla. Hilla holla, hilla holla. Bye bye. 
That's it. Whew. Made it. Go on, tell them. Oh, this has been Mean and Imply Productions. I'm Mean. And I'm Imply. Well, you're pretty mean, too. What are you implying? <laughs> <laughs>